Hello, glad you popped in. There's a mug of something hot waiting just over there. And a good hours plus worth of great, candid, Christmassy talk across all of space and time, making its way to you here now. Again, at Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, we've recorded an as-live Christmas edition. Party hats on, but the brakes are off. All huddled around the fireplace, albeit different fireplaces, to share the gift of conversation with friends and fellow fans. Yes, we may be socially distanced, but that doesn't mean we can't be sociable. Where will this conversation go? Can we possibly make it out from the rabbit holes? And will any of us disgrace ourselves when answering that customary trivia quiz? And who from the Doctor Who universe will be crowned Type 40's companion of 2020? We're thrilled with how the launch of Season 3 has gone. Thanks for coming aboard. All our very best for the new year. We hope you enjoyed your Christmas and this party as much as we did. Universe and across the time zones, it's time for Type 40 Live. And this is, uh, yes, this is the Type 40 Christmas Live Party or Live Christmas Party, whichever way you want to arrange those around. It's all fine by me. We're going to talk Christmas past, present, and maybe even future the Type 40 way with lots of silliness and, yeah, lots of Christmas memories and lots of guests. I've got a, uh, a toy room full here of, of little helpers. Some more little than others, <laughs> just looking at them. And I think they're all on the outside of a few sherries already, so things are looking up. Right, who have we got so far? Let's who let's see who we can drop it. Oh, of course, there he is. He's uh yeah, just just got off the bus actually from Lapland, I understand, where he's just finished a shift in the toy room. Simon Horton, welcome back. It's me. <laughs> well well, hello. And a Merry Christmas to you, Dan. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you too. Welcome to our winter, wintry wonderland. What do you think? I do just think it's fabulous. I've got my Christmas jumper on. I'm all set to go. This this hat's really, really hot. My head, I'm sure, is overheating already. Um... <laughs> and yes, it's it's two hats for for Neil so far. Let's let's throw in another hat. She's here. Yes, it's Starry Eyed Girl, Christmas Starry Eyed Girl. That's Sarah Gray. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Love in the That's... tree. Love in the tree. 
I, I have got a Christmas tree. In case you're thinking it looks very humbuggy here, I have got yeah. a Christmas tree, but it's in the other room, unfortunately. Mm. What can I do? You should drag it in at least. Yeah, I could it drag it in. I, could. <laughs> I did contemplate actually dragging the computer in there, but it just all got a little bit fraught at the last <laughs> Let's drag another couple of people in instead. Here we are. It's JT. Christmas oh, yeah. 2020. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what it is. Yeah, exactly. The only way to go. Yep. That is a spectacular oh, tree. That's glamorous, JT. I love it. That, that tree is much. like overdrive, that tree. is. How many lights <laughs> are really on there? Mr. JT, back in the console room. Yay. We're going to get a mega Christmas going on now. Let's see what's going on with Ian David Diaz. Welcome. Merry Christmas, mate. Merry Christmas. Yes. Hello. Hello. Tucked away in his grotto there. That's right. I've got, I've got Santa. How are we? How many, sleep, how many sleeps is it till Christmas now, everybody? Anybody know? In ten, is it? Ten? It's about ten. Let's stop the technical stuff, shall we? Stop, stuff about time. Yeah, cover. Stop with the difficult question, why don't you, Dan? We weren't prepped for that. Uh, yeah, before we get stuck in too deeply into this big Christmas pudding of a live stream. Yes. I think, like all Christmas parties, it should start with a really awkward. We can't, we can't do the awkward Christmas dance, can we? So the awkward Christmas questions. Okay, here's a question. Who's going first? I'll shuffle my questions. This is Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit. Here we are, Simon. Let's bring back a few memories. <laughs> oh yes, <absolutely. laughs> yeah, this is this is this is Marks and Spencer's very oh, own. All right, yep. it's yeah. very very. Well, Simon, here's your question. Okay, who did the Master possess? And manipulate against the eighth doctor. Oh, uh, Yi Jitsu. It's not the answer on the card. Is it Grace? Dr. Or Grace? No, hold on. He did kind of manipulate Yi Jitsu as well, he didn't he? He manipulated everybody, didn't he? And he did. That's, that's and Grace. Sarah, here's yours. What story did K9 first appear in in 1977? The Invisible Enemy. Hey! Yeah, that really is well. That's Yeah, and that is your turn now, JT. I'm out. In what year did the Daleks make their first TV appearance? 1963, 1964, or 1965? 63. Yay! Yeah. Ian, here's your question. On which planet would you find the Eye of Harmony? Uh, Gallifrey? I have no idea. No Yay! Idea. <laughs> so now we've had yeah, the, the obligatory embarrassing quiz over and done with. How, how are we? Simon, who's, who's your mascot? Who's your Christmas mascot this time? This is this is Dibby the Dinosaur. For anybody that hasn't seen before, this is an original prop for Invasion of the Dinosaurs. <laughs> Seriously. And, and so he's got a Christmas hat on today, obviously. He's got his Christmas hat on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's just to remind people, if this is your first Type 40 or Type 40 Live, it's uh, only fair to remind you that if you fancy doing a spot of time travelling of your own, every edition of this show, past, present or future, is just a tap away on the device of your choice, whether it's Sonic or not. And there's links to all of that coming up a little later on, as well as a check-in with the, uh, the Matrix of All Knowledge that we call the Fandom Podcast Network. That's coming up later on in the show. You know, considering it's the Christmas season, everybody, although we're all in the Christmas spirit, obviously, not everybody is. And uh, I've, I've read that Netflix, get this, oh, yes. Netflix have announced that they are pulling Doctor Who off yep. their schedules in January. And they've <clears> only <throat> got to announce that in the run-up for Christmas. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, well, they, when you when you watch it, they have a little sign at the top saying that they're going to get rid of it. What's your problem? <laughs> There well, we I presume, are. Well, well, I presume also, I don't know, I, I'm guessing they're, on, they're going to be on a contract and so the contract has come to an end and they're either not renewing it or maybe the BBC isn't renewing it, I guess. They want it, they want it on um, Britbox, don't they? So oh, they of course. But that's well, the Americans, that's the Americans. Over here, they want a, this new Who on um, Britbox, don't they? So, so I, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it's being rested for a little while and then they bring it back later next year or the year after and include the... Um, include the Chibnall era with it. But, you know, it says a lot that they're removing it right now, though, for myself. You know, I look at that and thought, that's an interesting decision. Uh, January the 1st, taking it all off air. Um, yeah. It says here in the article, since t uh, 2013, Doctor Who has been a near-permanent fixture on the Netflix UK library with each new exciting season, eventually making its way into the, the hands of subscribers. But fans will have to say goodbye to the beloved British sci-fi series one last time. Yeah, so my guess was that they, you know, maybe it will turn up at Britbox. What made two things, as, as as Simon points out, maybe their contracts run out, or yeah. basically, or basically BBC One wants it on their platform, which is Britbox. Yeah. And, you know. and interestingly, or, I can see I can see in the in the comments, Colin P. Smith has said, "Why Britbox? Wouldn't it be on iPlayer anyway?" Yes. It could be a way of them looking at where it's going to go and what what footing it's going to place in the future. They will. They'll put it on iPlayer. That's why they want to do that. And also, the budget, the budget has gone down. Uh, uh, the, the budget for the new series has gone down drastically. Yep. And they can't, because oh, of COVID, they can't film in other countries as well. So they have to bring the budget down and they have to make sure that it fits within the, the confines that they're, they're in. So there you go. So it, it, it's definitely going to end up there. Didn't, didn't Doctor Who leave Netflix UK at one point anyway, a few years back? One point, yeah, and, and then came, came back. back. Yeah. 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 In, a, in a world where we're all connected via social media and we all watch these things together and talk about them pretty much at the same time, it's easy to forget, isn't it, that across continents that the Doctor Who property and several other properties aren't actually on the same platforms. So there's people watching now in, in the live chat. You know, I didn't even realise it was still on Netflix. What I think is also really, really interesting that I, I sort of twigged onto a couple of years ago is that... Young people don't even realise that Doctor Who is made by the BBC. We take that for granted as well. That, so, so a lot of young people just don't watch BBC at all. They catch no. stuff on Netflix, Amazon Prime, whatever. <laughs> so, of course, they see Doctor Who on Netflix. They have no concept that it's made by the BBC in the first place. Um, and so there's no, there's no drive on them to sort of get their licence or anything like that, to purely to watch Doctor Who. Because as far as they're concerned, it's on Netflix, it's on, it's on wherever, HBO in America... You name it, it's all over the shop. Well, as far um, as they're so, concerned, Doctor Who started with Chris Eccleston. That's a, that's a reasonable enough argument, but I do find it kind of strange that they don't even realise the beat make it. It is. There we are. We do have... So Somebody got a Christmas present early. This picture was put out yesterday, and I would imagine that you've all seen it, but in uh, mid-December mid by Christopher Eccleston. That's him with the front page of his first new Doctor Who scripts in 15 years. He's called, overcome, isn't he? Called Ravages by Nicholas Briggs. Well, the, that's why he's overcome. And he's yes, he's holding it up. You can't quite make out who else is in the cast. You say it's written by Nick Briggs. That's hard. You don't see much big finish written by Nick Briggs, do you? No. no. <laughs> it's in that cast underneath where it says the Doctor Christopher Eccleston. Does that say Rose? I think it's. I, I was trying to work that out. I think it says Nova. But just in uh, case anybody needs a reminder, yeah, Christopher Eccleston was announced as joining Big Finish earlier on this year and uh, issued this quote. After 15 years, it will be exciting to revisit the Ninth Doctor's world, bringing back to life a character I love playing. So I'll never go back to Doctor Who ever again. Oh, I need money. Let me go back to Big Finish. Did he actually Big say Finish that? And, come Did on. he actually say that? 
he, he that's what he meant. He didn't want to come back to it. I mean, it's happened before. It happened with McGann. It happened with Tom. In yeah. that, certain things happen behind the scenes that we eventually get to hear of, and and, and anyone's bound to turn around and say, right, well, I'm I'm not going back to that again. But yeah. you know, after 15 years, you age a bit. Plenty of Need water. Goes up years. Yeah. You know what? It's fine by me as long as we get to hear him. I don't mind. People are entitled to change their minds, and this yeah. is a big show. It's a big franchise with a lot of history. I don't really mind. We have got a fresh quote from Chris Eccleston this morning, though. Oh, oh. God, he has, he has said this, this this morning. Christopher Eccleston jokes he'll return to Doctor Who on TV when hell freezes over. <laughs> He's obviously <laughs> seen the current scripts. In an interview with Lorraine Kelly this very morning as we record this, Eccleston is currently recording the first volume of Doctor Who, The Ninth Doctor Adventures, set for release in May 2021, but in an appearance this morning on ITV's Lorraine. We have, uh, I'm on my way to do the second day of recording of Audio Adventures on The Ninth Doctor for a company called Big Finish, he said. And uh, when pressed as to whether he might now pop up again in the TV series, Eccleston grinned and said, I know what you're getting at, Lorraine but only when hell freezes over. <laughs> they had to end their call shortly afterwards. He was there to promote the uh, the Big Issue magazine the for the homeless that obviously they put out a big Christmas number every year, don't they? So he was there for a, for a good cause and Lorraine tried to get under the under the radar there, Sarah. And he meant, obviously, dealing with the BBC when he was there, I guess. Maybe, maybe he's never actually made up with the BBC. I don't uh, know. Yeah. I mean, you know, the BBC did put him out of work for uh, nearly three years. Mm. Well, more so than that. He might have, we don't know quite what happened behind the scenes, what he did to, to put himself on the blacklist. Maybe, I don't know, I'm not saying he did, I'm just saying yeah. we don't know which, you know, which argument do you, do you believe? Did well, no, no, it? but what I'm saying is that blacklist does exist or did exist in the BBC when it shouldn't have oh, done. Sure and if does. you got onto that, you were out of work and he happened to be out of work for nearly three years. That blacklist does exist. Yeah, it does, really. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. And we have the first of our Christmas visitors. Yes, here, here he is. It's the rabbi from another planet. Say hello to Sfina Beckin. Hello! It's Santa! Loving the hat. Merry Christmas! As I was walking to my computer, you started the Crystal Exxon conversation. I Listen, I'm sure money's a factor for everyone. People don't do work without being paid. If you do work without being paid, that's not good. You should be paid for work, right? I genuinely believe he was, uh, he had a, a terrible experience making Doctor Who with the first, uh, I think with the first director, he really, really fell out. And he, mm -hmm. I think he felt very betrayed by Russell D. Davis for not having his back. I think that was, hopefully it was a misunderstanding. I would really like to hope they could get get, get back together again. But mm -hmm. my feeling is that he, 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 he's being very, I think he's being very genuine, which is why I think he's a good actor. I don't think he can't be genuine. He's gone through a process of, uh, you know, of healing, and he's started it. And it took him ten years before he could do the convention circuit. I think just being around fans and seeing fans and seeing how much fans loved him and loved his portrayal. I think that I mean, money's a factor, obviously. I just don't think Big Finish is paying that much money. In my opinion, he did appreciate what he had, even when he was in the Marvel film. Afterwards, he was slagging them off as well. He hated so, it. That was all tied yeah. into the same thing. I think basically he is a very serious actor and um, sometimes like I've met a lot of actors and I've met actors like Chris and sometimes they take their jobs too seriously instead of appreciating what's coming towards them. 
they they basically don't and they basically want everything to be perfect and they also want to be proven as an actor this is the frustrating thing i think chris is is frustrated that people haven't appreciated him as a solid actor brad pitt or someone like that he he believes that's where he belongs listen this is just a guess i think he works very closely with his agent to uh, to round on the sorts of things that he could do that that could be good for him and uh, and over time i think he reflects i think he's very, very, very honest in a way that a lot of a lot of people simply aren't. And when we see people speaking candidly, we see humility coming from somebody who's in that line of work. You know, as you say, and you, you've worked with a lot of actors. Yeah, we sometimes don't recognise it. They're, they're the, it's the way a human being would speak, and what we could view as quite cr- contrary responses and quotes mm-hmm. are just people rolling with life's punches a little. Rabbi. You're not going to get into the console room without answering one of our trivia questions. Here we go. Okay, go ahead. What were the Daleks' servants called during their battles with the third Doctor? Oh, Ogrons. I was like, well, I was going for all different ones. Ogrons. Also, I was watching a, a, a new era story. I thought, I had like some eight-byte thing. I thought, well, that should, should have been an Ogron. What was I think? I can't remember what it was. We've often spoken about this, haven't we, on, on the podcast. Like, why, do, why weren't they this? Why wasn't it the Rani? Why wasn't it the Mandrels? Yeah, there's, I think there's a lot of opportunities. The again. One of the returning monsters that's always annoyed me the most was the macro. Not because they brought the macro back, but because they, it was in, uh, was it, uh, Gridlock, right? Gridlock mm-hmm. and the macro were living in, in the motorway. But everybody had been, been killed by this, uh, whatever it was, 100 years ago. They should have had the macro had done the plot to do whatever it is to New New York and not have them been devolved into giant crabs. Like, have the macro be still, like, intelligent. That would have been better. Mm. RTD, where were you? You should have called me. Russell T. Davis was the man, of course, who who knew. He knew what we knew, didn't he? That, That Doctor Who and Christmas did belong together and that proper Doctor Who specials that I certainly never got when I was growing up, not proper ones, that it was long overdue that we get one of those. And over a period of... oh. I can't remember how many Christmases now. The best part of 13, 14 Christmas specials. It was a fixture of everybody's Christmas day. You could say it was a bit of a ritual. I don't know about you guys. I mean, obviously, I'd had my big Christmas dinner by that point. But I would I would sit down with the Doctor Who special, eat a satsuma, as I'm doing now, drink something I probably shouldn't. But I was wondering, Simon, have you ever had any Doctor Who watching Christmas rituals? Do you know, do you, did you always watch it live? Do you always watch any particular classic story over Christmas? Watch your Doctor Who? No, I mean, the only, the only special I actually watched live was The Christmas Invasion, because that was just so exciting to watch live. Um, and for me personally, they've never, ever, ever come close to bettering The Christmas Invasion. I don't think they've even come close to matching it. To me, The Christmas Invasion is absolutely... The mo- it's a shame that it's shot in a glorious summer and you can tell it's filmed <laughs> in a glorious summer. But putting that aside, I just think it's the absolute quintessential uh, Christmas episode. And so that's what I will be watching this Christmas. I don't watch it every Christmas by any means, but if I was going to go for uh, a Christmas episode, that's without a doubt the one I would go for. I would plan my Christmas day around the Christmas special. So I would use, if we had dinner at home, you know, I wouldn't go anywhere until after the Christmas special. Oh dear. (laughs) I've got plans and I did that. (laughs) And so how many Christmases into that did the family like decide we won't bother, we won't ask her, we know what she's going to say. This, they never really got it. They're like, yeah, but you can, especially obviously when, you know, I play a 
came about, but it's like, no, I've got to watch it live. You don't understand. <laughs> you do a lot of Doctor Who related Christmassy things as well, don't you? I think you, I think the best Doctor Who related Christmas cards I've ever had have been from you. Christmas and <laughs> birthday cards. <laughs> JT, do you send any Doctor Who related cards and things like that? What, what everyday items of Doctor Who goodness do you have in your Christmas schedule? Um, I did around about the Runaway Bride time. There was a selection of Christmas cards that were officially released with Tennant um, from those Radio Time shoots. Do you remember those? Yeah. And that was a great year because I sent those out to everybody and everybody seemed to enjoy those. I think they went out for Voyage of the Damned. My Christmas ritual every year, though, is... Mine too! Mine too, uh, Jamie! Wow! Every Christmas... I, know, I, you're a I can't get past the titles. That was our first okay. Christmas special, really. Yeah. A special one-off episode. Right. The first ever spin-off. It's got a real special place in my heart, that episode. I agree, JT, totally. So um, that's what I watch every year. It has got something of the of the Christmas spirit about it. I mean, you could say it's the it's the ghost story for Christmas, isn't it? And we do. It is. It's got that wholesome BBC feel, though, if you like, as well. Yeah. It, it's very much of it, and you, it it it's not it's not Doctor Who, and it doesn't feel like Doctor Who. Um, and yet it, it, it's associated with Doctor Who. It's, it's <laughs> Christmas for me. It's, and more so than the things that came from the uh, 2005 onwards era. That's kind of what I mean, really, because there are things that, even though that was shown over Christmas and New Year, Canine and Company, there are other things that, that weren't, that, that were completely separate, that just have a Christmas flavour about them. You know, the, the Unquiet Dead was set at Christmas, wasn't it? Shown in April, April of 2005. Yeah, it always felt odd to me that did. I think it's more Christmassy than uh, Christmas Invade. Honestly, that was not my favourite one at all. It's one of my... Which was your favourite then, Rabbi? Oh, I mean, I, I think uh, Christmas Carol. Really love that really? one. Controversial I don't understand opinion. why people say Christmas Carol at all, because I, oh, I remember I when, it. It just, when, because when the Christmas it, specials were commissioned, it was only because yeah. Rose had been such a massive success in the UK with over 10 million viewers, which the BBC were not getting. So, of course, they quickly, Lorraine quickly said, right, quick, do an extra episode for Christmas. We'll put it up for Christmas. And that was the start of that sort of um, run of, of those episodes. But mm -hmm. I, I remember saying at the time, oh, my God, if Russell writes something which is a prestige of a Christmas Carol, how predictable is that? Ten years in is fine. And also, listen, it's I think it's really captured for me one of the greatest eras of Doctor Who in like lightning in a bottle in like one uh, in in one outing. The special effects I thought were fantastic. So that that's one of my favorites. But real controversial hey. opinion, which which nobody agrees with me about. I love Twice Upon a Time. Rabbi, why do you love Twice Upon a Time? Pay no attention to these. Okay, well, several reasons. Firstly, I love Capaldi. But secondly, I, if the Doctor's going to go anywhere, the most doctory place in all of space and time that I can think of is the Christmas armistice in World War One. There's like, there's nothing that's more of a greater expression of humanity and peace, which is so the Doctor, and it's so the place where he would end up. And, and yeah, I absolutely love that. I've been rewatching in preparation for this show that Dan's arranged mm -hmm. this this Christmas show. I've been watching them all from Christmas Evasion upwards, and mm -hmm. last night I got to Last Christmas. I tell you, it's it's scary, proper scary. Yeah. But um, mm -hmm. I tell you something that got got me about Christmas Carol, and I know what you're saying about the look of it and the story. It's, it is in hindsight, it's really a lovely story. I quite enjoyed it, but there was that little thing at the end, that beautiful Carol, which Moffat should have. It's about silence. And what was coming the season after, and he never got that song. Oh, wow. Anyway, but anyway, there you go. There is this as well. This is something that a lot of people, I think this did get released over Christmas, and it's a ritual to a, to a great many people. In fact, I think they did it over Twitter last year. It's uh, the Paul McGann story, The Chimes of Midnight. Yeah. I always listen to this on Christmas Eve. Yeah, me too. Eve. 
I'm going to do things that I don't usually do. So I'm going to do the uh, the Unquiet Dead, do the Chimes of Midnight, mm-hmm. and and see what else. Just rather than some of the big tentpole specials, Simon. Is there any classic stories, Simon, that you think have got a bit of a Christmas bent that weren't meant for Christmas but have that kind of value? No. I'll tell you which one seems Christmassy to me. Yeah, go on. The Reboss Operation. I was just about to say, yeah. that's about the only one. A, it's snowy, but also the architecture, the, 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 the design of it, it's kind of gothic-y, Victorian kind of effect. So, so yeah, that's about the only one. Mm. That, that, that it's all filmed in the three war sets, because it's completely studio-based, isn't it? Everybody's yeah. in their winter woolies. There's snow, yeah. and it's... Every time in that beautiful, like, fur. Oh, don't, yeah. 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 Oh, bless her. I think it's got some life-affirming moments in, in between mm-hmm. all of the nonsense. I think there's, a, there's a few little Doctor Who stories like that just tucked away mm-hmm. that almost feel Christmassy because they're so absurd. <laughs> and absurdity is part of Christmas. Ian, you've recently marathoned a lot of the old specials, haven't you, too, before Netflix did take them off. <laughs> to yeah. re-familiarise yourself with it. How did you find that experience? Had, you, I, had that been the first time you watched some of them since they originally are? Yeah, I watched all of the Christmas specials on, on Netflix. Um, in, in order or just random? But, but I'm not like you guys. I'm, I'm, I am a Doctor Who fan, but I have a love-hate relationship with New Who. The Runaway Bride yeah. is probably the best one out of all of them, in my opinion. Runway, I like The Runaway Bride, even though it was shot in the summer. Because it was quite exciting, and I and Catherine Tate was really funny, and I love. I'm so, I was so in love with that scene when he tells her to jump when they're in the eight. Yeah. Was it there with, yeah. the, with the with the TARDIS? And we've never seen effects like that before in Doctor Who, and yeah. the TARDIS traveling next to the yeah. taxi. And I love that scene. I thought that scene. They. I thought, wow, that was really amazing. And I like the story, and I like. I thought the performance was really good. I didn't like um, the Christmas Carol one at all. In fact, the majority of them I didn't really like. Not even a Matt Smith ones. I'm a huge fan of, of Matt Smith. I hate to bring everything down, but I'm always honest. <laughs> when it comes to Doctor Who, I'm always honest. That you got you, you got to give that I, to me. But I'm but I'm with you on this. In that's why mm. I say Christmas Invasion mm. works for me. And I, I haven't yeah. really enjoyed a single other Christmas special apart from Voyage of the Damned. I like Voyage of the Damned apart from the ending, the last twenty minutes. But the atmosphere and the, the set of the set of Voyage of the Damned, I think, is fantastic. And that was definitely when Doctor Who was absolutely at its peak. Yeah. Yeah. So Voyage of the Damned just felt huge. I think the whole world watched Voyage of the Damned. I'll tell you one that, tell you one that I really have a, had a problem with, with the one with uh, the, the the line which in a wardrobe one. What was that oh, one? Oh, yeah. The Doctor, I, the Widow and the Wardrobe. Yeah, I almost yeah. threw something at the screen when he said, <laughs> he said to the little boy, um, we can't do it because we're men. I had a cup of tea in my hand. I was about to throw something at the screen. I was like, no, I can't destroy my TV. Yeah, like, oh. yeah, yeah. I'll tell you something about Voyage of the Damned, of course. I mean, I, I totally agree. That was the, I mean, that got over 13 million viewers in the UK watching live because Kylie was there. Yeah. I think it was only part of Kylie. Kylie has a massive yeah. fan base. Right. Kylie fans no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not denying that, but like I said, I yeah. think it was only part of it. I think the entire time from 2005 up yeah. to 2008, Doctor yeah. Who itself's profile was getting bigger. But, yeah. but if you look, if you look at what happened, my point being that with that special Voyage of the Damned, it had a huge knock-on effect to Series Four because people, certain people, stayed with the show and came back for the Catherine Tate series. It would have been great if she did a couple of. She was going on tour, love. You would never have got her. Ah well, <laughs> but it would have been great. We have a few suggestions in the chat here for other stories that aren't Christmassy, but have a certain Christmassy appeal. So we've got, mm-hmm. here from Sadako, we have The Talents of Wen Chiang, The Chase, yeah. 
and Remembrance of the Daleks. Yeah, Remembrance of the Daleks. Yeah, that's definitely Christmassy. I'm not, I'm not feeling Remembrance I myself. But here's where I think they are with, with Talents of Wen Chang. <laughs> Victoriana is Christmassy, isn't it? This one loses me a little bit from Duncan Shaw. Midnight has a significance. Midnight is technically the next day. Eh? So, yes, well, yeah, but not set at Christmas. To be honest, ridiculously, Horns of Nyman always makes me think of Christmas because it went out at Christmas. Out at Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, so I always think of the Horns mm-hmm. of Nyman. Maybe we should explain this, Simon, to, to anybody younger here. In the old days, of course, we didn't the have these specials that suddenly appeared from 2005 to 2017. We, we, the show ran through the December period. Yeah. So you would get one episode um, one Saturday as normal, and then the, the Saturday yeah. after, or. Uh, yeah. you, it was occasionally taken off on a Saturday because Christmas Day fell on a Saturday and they would move it to the week after. Yeah. But it, 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 it sort of felt it was always around, didn't it? I mean, yeah. I agree. Horns and Nyman is it does remind me of Christmas. And there's another one that reminds me of Christmas. And I don't know why it is. Um, <laughs> it's Warrior's Gate reminds me of Christmas. Okay. It's I don't, don't know why. I don't know why. I think I must have been as a, as a 10-year-old gearing up maybe or writing out my christmas list or something like that i just associate Warriors Gate was just after christmas wasn't it? It, it, it it was screened just after christmas they took january a break, it could be that i don't know i don't know mm-hmm. what it is castrovalva and attack of the cybermen also remind me of well christmas. again castrovalva was just after just after christmas you christmas is probably still up jt Good i remember the day that, we, that attack of the cybermen started the 5th of january 1985 my mother was taking the tree and the decorations down Reminder, after reminder, just how subjective all our experiences with Doctor Who are. Vanessa Law's watching in the chat. She, said, she says here, there's a short when Tom and Mary Tam, who could yes. break yeah. the fourth yeah. wall to yeah. say Merry Christmas. It's the BBC Christmas tape from 1978. Um, so it's not even an outtake. It was a deliberately staged um, little scene uh, where they, uh, and there's quite some suggestive uh, dialogue between Tom yeah. and uh, Mary and and Canine mm-hmm. sings his little song before Canine and Company sings We Wish You a Merry Christmas <laughs> and uh, and it's brilliant it's absolutely fantastic yeah it's on the it's it's Christmas BBC tape isn't that one called Doug Who and it was put together Doug Who that's the one by Douglas Adams that's the one no, it's we very have funny. JFO watching in the chat. The next Doctor is an underrated Christmas special, in my opinion, and it got loads of viewers because it was just after David announced he was leaving, yeah. and people yeah. were intrigued by the title of the episode. Yeah. Sarah, do you remember that? Oh yes, all that speculation. I, do. I, rem- I remember David announcing it. Oh, it was like t- that splitting up again. There were interviews with David Morrissey beforehand, weren't they? When they were sort of saying, "Well, it's called the next Doctor," and he was yeah. he was baiting the press. Russell really played on that. They um, all played up to it. They, they milked yes, it they did. Worth. The speculation around them, it never really stopped, did it? So they would they would have to, there'd be some guest stars or whatever else, or mm. some unique selling point. Steve, uh, Stephen Moffat picked up the reins from Russell T. Davis. Moffat's version of the show being much more fairy tale esque, Sarah, mm. he really lent into that hard, didn't he? Even more so with the Christmas special. So the lights were always that, that little bit yeah, lower. There was a lot more pine and a lot more twinkle twinkle about them all. So have you got any favourites from the Moffat era in particular? Well, apart from Christmas Carol, um, probably The Snowman. The Snowman, sorry. Mm. Um, That wasn't bad. Yeah, that wasn't bad. But again, but that always frustrates me because of what came after with that. I wanted Victoria and Clara to be the companion. 
it's a common thing, isn't it? We they give us they give us these little bits of gold, and maybe even Rabbi, you were talking about the Runaway Bride when mm. uh, Donna left at the end of that. Were you sort of did you feel like that's her mm. story told, or were you sort of yearning I for her to come back? Yeah, totally. I think yeah, I watched it last night, Runaway Bride. I have to tell you though, the uh, the Ragnos villain. I enjoyed it, and it fits well into the uh, uh, into like the the holiday feeling of it. But honestly, if you're looking at it like you know just coldly, it doesn't look that different from the villains that we see today <laughs> in the current era. It did remind me very disturbingly of what's the name the, the Angeli? Which did she play Angeli Mohindra? They had her in as playing this yes. villain, this monster. It was very dark towards the end. And I mean, a doc, what the doctor was going to do to her at the end. In, and I think it was, right. um, what's her name, uh, that actually stopped him. So it's, 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 it's a good, it's a really good Christmas one. In fact, I think that was the best out of all the Christmas ones. I do like um, Christmas Invasion, as, yep. as, as Simon says. I really like that one because it was the very, very first. And it's David Tennant, the new doctor. But I felt cheated on that one because... David Tennant only came towards the ending. I was right. like, oh, but I when know. he comes in, wow, does he come yeah, in? I think that's, that's the whole point of the thing, isn't it? I, I, I like what you've just said there, Ian, about you know the, the Doctor's dark side coming in on uh, yeah. Runaway Bride at the end. Yeah. But actually, um, it actually starts in the Christmas Invasion. It does it does? Because um, yes, what, right. what if you look at if you look at that arc, including that episode of Tennant's Doctor? Mm. I mean, it's very strange because in the Christmas invasion, you have a prime minister that he has predicted in his previous incarnation is going to be there. Yeah. I, um, you know, Harriet, Harriet Jones. Harriet Jones yeah. um, she's there. He likes her. And mm. then he deliberately dis uh, gets rid of her because she's yeah. done something he doesn't approve of, which actually turns out later on in the series run, series four, to have been the correct thing. Yes. And that shows a side to the, the, the Tenth Doctor. I don't think many people are clicking onto. Look at those final moments in the Christmas mm -hmm. Invasion where he deliberately turns on her. Yeah, He deliberately kills kills the guy doesn't he with the with the with the tangerine doesn't he he mm -hmm. he, he hits it and it hits him and he falls off it's, doesn't it's he? what so. he does to harriet that gets me because you yeah. know we've seen her in the previous series with um eccleston's doctor yeah. and they're very pally and she's quite good one she's brought in britain's golden age and he deliberately brings her down because she's yeah, done something he doesn't approve of that's what's great about a doctor the doctor himself not not only david Tennant, the, or the people that play him it's because one minute he could be your pal the next minute he could slightly do something <laughs> you know what i mean and you think that's yeah, odd that's there yeah. in his regeneration yeah. story you know and yeah. I'm, I'm with i'm with you simon i think the beauty of christmas invasion which in hindsight is my favorite out of those that i've seen uh, from right up to the end of capaldi because it happens just to be a doctor who story that's set at christmas whereas yeah. later on especially in moffat's era it was christmas with mm -hmm. the Doctor at Christmas. Yes. Talk, talking about arriving in the nick of time, something the Doctor's pretty good at. We've got some more answers here from the live chat. People have stepped in with, with various ideas of different stories that they're reminded of. So Derek Brady, our friend Derek Brady. Yeah, yeah Derek. Isn't a TV yeah. movie set around Christmas time? Well, it's New Year's. It is. Wow, New Year's. The yeah. trimmings uh, aren't up, but it's as good as when you say yes, we all I, forgot about oh, it. Yeah. How ridiculous! I still, <laughs> I still love that movie. I love that. I love it. Yeah, I do, Ian. Oh. Yeah, love it. Oh, uh, Vanessa, here I can definitely, I can definitely relate to this. Maybe for different reasons. Vanessa says I watched the next next Doctor for the female villain. She's great. So do I. So do I. Dervla Kerwin. 
It's yeah. a, long, a long time crush I've had on her. <laughs> Kelly's in the chat. She says they could still hire David Morrissey. I think she means David Morrissey now. After all, uh, <laughs> uh, Peter yeah. Capaldi had been in it before. And again, she's right. No reason why not. In fact, David Morrissey, I think that he would was, still make a great doctor that now. Was probably Russell T. Davis' best Cyberman story as well. Next doctor. With a big finish to do. And I, I, I wish they would put out a box set in December. Or Christmas specials we never got. Like, do a Tom Baker Christmas special. And, like, wouldn't that be great? I, I like their, their their third Doctor box sets, the ones they did with Tim Trelaw. I think they're really, very good. Like, the, uh, as the seventh Doctor. Yeah, I like I don't know, I don't know about the happened. but I like the idea of one, of one definite Christmas story per year. And if the BBC oh. aren't going to give it to us on television, then, yeah. Mm. Big finish, absolutely do that. You give us our Christmas special. I don't really mind which doctor. I'd love a Tom Baker Christmas special. My oh, wouldn't God. it be great? Yeah. What's that effect they do, fake, the, where they put someone's face on? Was it the called deep fake? fake thing? Deep fake. Yeah. You know, let's just, just do a deep fake. <laughs> give us a Christmas special. <laughs> the one thing I noticed about the um, the Matt Smith one, the wardrobe the wardrobe one, which I can never remember the title of that. The Doctor, is that the doctor, Widow and the Wardrobe. Yeah, doc, the Doctor never saves anyone in that episode. He doesn't, <laughs> it, he's it, it's completely it's useless. And the woman is the one that's the hero in that episode. But that's the joke, isn't it? Because she's the mother ship. Yeah. I didn't like it at the time. It, I was, it left me cold at the time. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. you know, years yeah. later, you know, we're watching it. Is that the one with the wooden, the wooden king and yeah. queen? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give it another watch this year. I normally I normally watch a bunch of them every year. I want to ask you all a question, right? Do you think, right, that if uh, when they were making the Doctor Who Christmas specials, yeah. do you think necessarily it should be set at Christmas time? Could it yes. not have been? You, you reckon it should yeah. always yes. be set at Christmas? Yeah, yes. I do. Too. I do. Too. I, like Russell uh, Davis said when he said it, he said it's gonna be. At at Christmas. Super Christmassy because he right. loves Christmas. Because yeah. Russell Davis has got to be Christmas. Element. Right, and, 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 but they asked him, so, "Are they always going to be super Christmas?" He says, "Whatever well, I'm doing them, there are yeah. certainly." Yes. I think they can be scary, and I think they can oh, yeah. be somber, and all those things. But just like Blue Bonnet, Huvian says here in the chat, they should be fun. I yeah. think that they should always, always. Any be Christmas fun. episode, can you can throw in every emotive we go through. Look at Scrooge; that could scare the hell out of you when you're a kid. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. it's really scary. And then mm -hmm. you've got all the family, you've got the love, you've got the joy. So I, I totally agree with, all, uh, with everybody else here. A Christmas mm -hmm. special, because if you watch something now on uh, a repeat showing somewhere, I mean, look at those ones in the grave as an example. Christmas specials. Yeah. What's Christmas special about that? You know, he's sat on a bloody motorway in the sun for weeks. Yeah. About Thank British Christmas is so much better than American Christmas, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know they did a Doctor Who on um, uh, the Christmas Carol. <laughs> they maybe should they should have done one on uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Maybe they should have done a version of Doctor yeah. Who. Well, that, that would have been great. Nice, eh? I thought Twice Upon a Time because Twelve just wanted to die, didn't he? he didn't right, he was trying to decide if he wanted to live or not, right? Yeah. And that was yeah, deciding with life as well. And that's really the, the central question. And that he, uh... Here we are as fans <laughs> talking about this. And yet a certain person a few years ago said there's no more ideas for Doctor Who at Christmas. And yet all we as fans ever have are ideas of oh, what you God. can do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> On a previous edition of the Type 40 podcast, you came up with a killer idea, didn't you, for a, for a Christmas special that rubbed Chris Chibnall's nose right in it. Do you want to remind us what that was, Sarah? Just again? Yeah, yeah, just, yeah it... It could, Kablam should have been the Christmas special. It was presents awesome. with killer bubble wrap, and it was kind of throwing shots at. It was the worst story ever. 
just absolute <laughs> rubbish. Sarah's got a point that it could have been. It could have been that whether you liked it or not. I mean, the purpose, the concept of it, it could have been easily. Yeah. Very yeah, easy to be a great Christmas. Christmas special. And the reason why Chibnall doesn't know Christmas specials is because it's a Judeo Christian holiday, and uh, and it's and, he, and Chibnall hates anything Judeo Christian. Uh, uh, <laughs> thank you. Merry Christmas, Rabbi. Thanks for dropping bye, by. Bye bye. Bye bye. Ho 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 Here's a question for you, then, guys. Do you think the Christmas specials work better when it's a Standalone story like Voyage of the Down, yes, or when yeah. it's a continuation yeah. of you know, like Christmas Invasion, a kind of a continuation of mm. series one and Time of the Doctor and End of Time were all like continuations of their series. Well, that, that's where that where, where, I think it's better if it's a standalone Christmas Invasion mm -hmm. is, a, is a one off because, of course, it's introducing a new doctor, yeah. and that's also yeah. a great point for a new uh, for the not we to come in on a big day. Because mm. when you watch them now, um, I couldn't remember why Amy and Arthur, Rory. Arthur's Rory, Rory, I couldn't remember why they had left him and why they were in a house. And quite mm. frankly, I can't be bothered to go back and find out. Um, yeah. And then the whole River Song thing. Um, I mean, if you haven't been following four years at that point, maybe, of that storyline, mm. what's there to grab you? I think there must always be one-offs like Christmas Invasion and certainly like Runaway Bride and The Voyage of the Damned. I think, and from that point, I would agree totally, JT, and I think from that point of view, probably Voyage of the Damned was the one more than anything that absolutely was for the not-we. That absolutely, if you were sitting there having eaten your turkey and your mince pies on Christmas night with the family, Voyage of the Damned was just about going to hit every button in the way that Weddings mm. of River Song, let's be honest, was not. Ian, mm. imagine a Doctor Who twist on The Italian Job. Can you imagine that, that would be amazing? Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> totally and utterly Christmassy. Talking about, let's get this out of the way. First, I've, I've got to check in with this because, yes, we are a Doctor Who podcast on the Fandom Podcast Network from the Spacebook. And sometime in January, we will be reviewing the next Doctor Who special. The schedule was released around a week and a half ago, so we now know when, what's it called, Revolution of the Daleks is going to air. It is on New Year's Day, after all rather than on Christmas Day, and in the 6.45pm slot, just running from 6.45pm until EastEnders at 8 o'clock that day. Obviously, the BBC schedules this year are somewhat wanting. They've had a challenging year. Not they much always are. Year. The BBC lost yeah. the clock years ago on their Christmas schedules. You know, they, 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 they used to be the two-go place, and now they're not. They really aren't. Of course, we can cut them some slack. But the way I see it, having three, there's, you know, there's three Shrek films on Christmas, either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. You're going to get Strictly Come Strictly. Dancing. You're going to get um, somebody like Michael McIntyre or something doing that thing rather than Doctor Who now. Yeah, yeah. but Captain Underpants, come on. Forget Christmas for a minute. Yeah. We've been paying, all of us, the entire country, supposedly, have been paying their licence fee all year. The BBC have been making next to no programming whatsoever yeah. What's been happening to all the license fee that we've been paying? What have we, we been paying for we've exactly? Been paying, we've been paying for the staff to work at home. Why are we not getting a rebate on our license? Where's the money been going? Did you see, right. the, did you see that schedule? They've got yeah. lots of thieves on. 
This is New Year's Day, so okay, New it's Year's not Day, Christmas yeah. Day. Robin yeah. Hood, Prince of Thieves is a great movie. But it that, is. That film reaches its 30th anniversary in just a few oh, months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they put it on because they, because they already had it. They, they've probably yes. got the rights for one more screening. Mm. And they haven't got anything else. That's why, the, because Sky Movies and all yes. the other places yes. have bought yes. up all of the good stuff. In the seventies, do you remember? Oh, not seventies, eighties, night when when Bond used to come on ITV. Absolutely, that was the Christmas was, Day, wasn't it? it, was, it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was the premiere. Well, it was like you got to see do you remember, this. Bond Ian? Film. Do you remember Ian? in the radio in the TV times? It used to be billed as the James Bond the James movie. Bond movie. Yeah. Christmas when we were younger, obviously. Everywhere, every year, you used to get the ITV uh, TV Times and the BBC Radio yes. Times, and you used to sit there and you used to circle out what oh, you wanted absolutely. to watch and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it's videotapes ready, and yeah. you know, amazing. ITV will show Bond films all the time now, but we've yeah. all got them. Harry yeah. Potter, the yeah. Star Wars films. The problem is, the problem is, nothing has any currency anymore because no. you've all seen okay. it before. If you want to get, if you want to watch it, you probably even watch it on illegal download. If you're really that desperate to see, yeah. so so unfortunately, there is a limit to what any of these broadcasters can do, and that's okay. I get that, but as a result, I still feel a bit aggrieved for constantly paying my license fee for, yeah. for what. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's why it did so well during the RTD years because people couldn't get it, and so um, yeah. you know that's why everybody was yeah. absolutely desperate for, uh, for for new content to dock to, and that's why things like Voyage of the Damned were so popular because yeah. it was the only time you could see. That's what they that they were surviving on, and even that's fallen away now. Absolutely, and it's a shame because um, the Christmas special. I always looked at the episodes, whether I liked the episode or not, as a real showcase to say this is what Doctor who is for the not we and maybe as they as they did in with the donna series with series four they would stay over from voyage of the dam to see oh it's catherine tate coming in at one point the bbc was really getting there because when you used to look at some of the shows they produced like the, the far show they had a huge star like johnny depp in one of the sketches <laughs> yeah. the BBC, so, so the bbc was really getting around the world with their shows with their with their original shows and suddenly just all disappeared i don't understand yeah. what happened you know and i think I'm, it's good to the agenda that's why i'm all for cutting the bbc a little bit of slack but I will be, I will be talking about it. Let's just remind people. Yes, yeah, so here we are. This is Re uh, Revolution of the Daleks. Is on on New Year's Day at six forty-five p.m. Not quite sure when we're going to be talking about it on Type Forty Doctor Who podcast, but the review will be coming up. I'll be on there with my honest opinions as always, and whoever comes on with me. I don't know who it's going to be. Might be some new people entirely. Might be some people where I don't even know what they think about this current era. So it might be a conversation that we've never had before. So listen out for that on Type 40 Doctor Who podcast coming up in a few weeks' time. Let's talk about a Christmas <laughs> gift that everybody wants or, or gifts that we've all enjoyed. Here we are. Let's cheer people up again. There we are. So, yeah, what I'd like to know, Ian, is uh, what's the best Doctor Who related Christmas gift you ever have? Is there anything that sticks in your mind? I had never ever got a, a got a, a Doctor Who present. You're kidding! Oh, no, never ever oh, ever ever God. ever. Everything but every Doctor Who stuff that I've owned, I've bought myself. JT, you sound yeah. amazed. Go on, you must have. What's at the top of your your memory bank here? Well, I've got a few examples, but I'll try and keep it as short as I can. <laughs> I got the Doctor Who annual continually from 1974 right up until the painful end in 1986. Have you got all of them, JT? Have you got I all? Don't of them? I? am missing actually. 
but the Troughton one with the Cybermen coming into that lovely art cover there, and I am missing the elusive 1970, um, the pink cover Pertwee annual. 1972, I think. 72, so those are by far and away the rarest of all the annuals, and they still go for fortune. Do you remember the, really... the smell of the book when you used to get an annual? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, those annuals for me were so important because that summed up yeah. Christmas for myself. And I got them with the Beano and the Dandy every year. Yeah. I mean, my, my parents must have spent a bloody fortune looking at the prices that they must have been back then. Special Christmases when it came round to the year I got the Dennis Fisher, Tom Baker doll, the TARDIS, the robot, mm. the Cyberman. Um, I never got the Dalek. Um, and K9 appeared the year after, and I wasn't allowed the Leela doll um, until I was <laughs> old enough to buy it for myself. But that was a special Christmas uh, where the Dennis Fisher stuff came out. But also, but I got a load of um, Target gift book sets. Those are the ones in the slipcase, weren't they? You got Correct. three the Target case. novel. You got three or four in each box, and oh man, that was so so special to get those. Mm. Um, Christmas 2006 was a huge Christmas for me because everybody knew what to get me. <laughs> and I had remote control Daleks from my sister, bubble baths and tacky books yeah, and all sorts cool. of things. Everybody got me something to do with Doctor Who. That was a special one. That's when I thought, my God, everybody's bought into this series. Mum used to give me the catalogue yes. and that because I'm from a huge family. And I used to always circle the annuals, the Doctor Who annuals, but oh. I never got it. Never. Oh, and with JT, in the, the one Christmas I had the Dennis Fisher um, TARDIS and the giant robot, bless them, my parents decided they, didn't, they weren't going to get me the Doctor. So I, just, so, so I just got the TARDIS and the giant robot, which is kind of a bit random. Robot so I had to get the, the, the Doctor to myself afterwards. Yeah, the, the giant robot, much as I tried to get him in that TARDIS, he wasn't going in. <laughs> it was the and, same with um, K9 the year I, after. And I, yeah, and I haven't got any of these. I had the K9 the year after um yeah. and i haven't got any of these anymore but my tardis i wish to goodness i kept my tardis because i got this on christmas day and by boxing day i got all this card and i've made white roundels to go in the doors and in the inside <laughs> it was fabulous yeah. my absolute favorite doctor who uh, christmas present was from 1978 the genesis of the daleks lp because seriously there was just nothing more exciting than getting i i literally must have worn it completely out uh, the number of times i played that genesis of the daleks lp just got to get into the mindset that there was no chance ever of any of us seeing or hearing any of these old stories ever again as far as we were aware Mm. And we'd certainly had nothing like this before. So to suddenly get Genesis the Dykes and listen to Tom's voice, it's... Sarah, <laughs> Christmas gifts. Christmas gifts. What, what's the most memorable that you can... Well, I'm kind of a disadvantage for you because <laughs> you've, you've got years on me. Oh, this guy. still talk to you anyway. Carry on. <laughs> uh, uh, Christmas uh, 2005... When we got that lovely box, the TARDIS box set that opened up and you got series. Oh, I remember that. Yes, I remember that too. Um, yeah, and I, JT, I remember the remote control Daleks that came yes. with the Christopher Eccleston figure. Yeah, and I, I remember buying my nephews that as well and just having so much fun playing with them. The battle packs. I was still living at home then, so my mum were like, you want an action figure? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you want Barbie? The, the merchandise exploded around that time, didn't it? So whilst your interest in the show was yeah, exploding. This, yeah. this fascinates me. Um, so basically, when you were young, you were really into Doctor Who. 
you know so did your mum go why aren't you into barbies why aren't you what why do you want this action figure did they question you yes you know i was never into barbies i, I don't understand it yet i, I had um the, one of my favorite toys was the queen alien she, she just never knew what i was into the joy you miss sarah because for many years my sister cindy doll accompanied the tom baker doctor as his companion I think I've probably told this story before, but the one Christmas gift that really sticks in my mind, actually, in the recent <laughs> past, I've talked about this two or three times, I think, but yes, the one that really sticks in my mind, Palatoy's Talking Canine, which I, I had at Christmas 1979. How much did that go for, Dan? Now they're around four to five hundred pounds, and yeah. I'm not yeah. sure, maybe more, maybe more if you wanted it boxed. Mm. Yes, but I had mine for years. Well, I still got him now, but yeah, he went everywhere oh. with me. <laughs> Um, that sums up Christmas, doesn't it? Because that toy was huge that year. It wasn't the standards that we know now, uh, mm -hmm. but between that and the Dennis Fisher version, that that's that's Christmas. <laughs> I want to go back to the old Christmas. You know what? I come from a family of seven, right? I, and I never, ever got what I wanted. But the only toy I wanted is not Doctor Who related. Was this okay. one here? Mm -hmm. This was why oh, I What's this, Ian? Explain what that is to us. This is Rock'em and Sock'em, two robots fighting in you a You were room. a very yeah, strange that. young man, weren't you? <laughs> I, I want it. It's so cool. You could definitely do a Doctor Who edition of that game. Couldn't you battle you in could. Bandrol, maybe? Yeah. Would you please stop giving Chris Chibnall ideas? <laughs> <laughs> well, he needs oh. them. Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. We like to continue to feed your ears by inviting you to listen to the Fandom Podcast Network and all of the other awesome shows we have to offer. It starts with our flagship show, Culture Clash, our weekly pop culture news podcast. Blood Kings, our Highlander podcast. Couch Potato Theater, our podcast celebrating our favorite movies. Time Warp. The Fandom Flashback Podcast, discussing a year in movies and our favorite pop culture topics. Enzo, the NFL Podcast. Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock Podcast. Union Federation, our Star Trek and Orville Podcast. Hair Metal, the 80s and early 90s Rock Metal Podcast. Type 40, our Doctor Who Podcast. Lethal Mullet, a 1980s and 90s action film podcast. What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars Podcast. And our newest show, Making Treks, a new Star Trek podcast with a deep dive into the final frontier with host Mark Newbold and Adam P. O'Brien. You can enjoy all of these great Fandom Podcast Network shows on our master feed at fpnet.podbean.com. Fandom Podcast Network is also on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also find us on Facebook under Fandom Podcast Network. You can also email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under Fandom Podcast Network. Thank you for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom. Yes, we've teased and tantalized you there. Now let us clothe you too. Head over to tpublic.com, search for the Fandom Podcast Network, and you'll find a store full of the team colours for all those shows on T-shirts, hats, mugs, and a TARDIS full of other items. Treat yourself.
treat your other selves, and it all goes to support the network continuing to fill your ears with 100% fabulous fandom goodness. A few weeks ago on Doctor Who Day, if you remember, we rolled out our little event called the Type 40 Companions of 2020. Yes, so we came. There was no, there was nine names all in all, and we offered it up to vote to members of the fight of the Type 40 Facebook group and over on other social media platforms like Instagram, Twitter, all that sort of thing. And the results are in. Yes, it was on. It was on this show. It was on our Doctor Who Day show a little while ago. If you remember, that was a great show. It was Ooh, a great welcome show. To us. <laughs> Even if I say so myself, <laughs> yeah. we do. We do. We do have a winner, everybody, by oh. quite a way. Drum roll. Can anybody do a drum roll? No. <laughs> the inaugural winner of the Type 40 Companion of the Year Award is Mr. Peter Capaldi. Hey. Hey. Well done. Peter Why did he win it? What, what was he nominated for? Was there charity, wasn't it? Charity work. It's the face of a charity in... London, I believe it's the Noah's Ark Hospice, and it's for babies and little children. Oh, very good. Yeah, he's just, you know, still being that doctor, even though mm-hmm. he's not playing him anymore. He'll always be the doctor to me. He'll always be the last doctor to me, He'll definitely. There's not been a great deal of filming of anything going on this year. But, of course, mm-hmm. earlier on in 2020, he wrapped up filming the sequel to Suicide Squad, which is called The Suicide Squad for Warner Brothers DC Films, where he plays The Thinker. But yes, Peter Capaldi, he's wrapped filming that, but he has continued to be patron of several charities and continue to be a really stand-up guy. We haven't heard a huge amount from him, but he made some fantastic statements, particularly during the tweet-along events. The kind of statement that made you you think that, you know, this guy really is, really is the Doctor. Really knows knows the character inside out, understands the fan base. Yeah, of course he does. And is just a, a really nice and genuine person. Actors are actors. You know, I think that there's a lot of actors out there who believe that we should be listening to what they say because mm-hmm. they want, they, they're used to getting people's attention. Mm-hmm. But in, in Peter Capaldi's case, I think he's ge- genuinely a very, uh, a very warm man. Yeah, I think the, the affection is completely real. And he just gives back what he's received from us in the same way that I think Tom Baker, Tom Baker does. And, you know, he definitely belongs to this sort of line of, of classic... Well, no- don't forget, Dan, Capaldi is one of us. He is a fan. Yeah. Yes, Peter, congratulations. I know you've been, we've been chomping at the bit for this result. He's, pro- he's probably there looking at his smartphone for the last two or three weeks, wondering yes. if he's going to get his way or not. <laughs> Derek Brady's met him. He's here in the chat. He says he was lovely to us fans when we met him in Hull filming David Copperfield. He's worked solidly as he was before Doctor Who. Good choice with yeah. Capaldi, says PD Rich. He was brilliant. And, yeah, Duncan Shaw says they should do a special with all of the Doctors in a big finished production. They're always do it, doing that. Uh, yeah, they're always that? doing it. Nothing yeah. special about that at all. Yeah, I think they run a special every week, isn't there? Yes, I'm saying. They do several. Jodie McWilliams is back. Hi, Jodie. Merry Christmas. I'm a huge Capaldi fan. You can tell he knows and loves Absolutely, Jodie. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally and agree. Our final word is, I think this statement pretty much sums it up. What I was chewing over about two or three minutes ago trying to spit it out i think vanessa summed it up quite well here in the chat peter is always a class act i yes, think it really is, is. that simple. he got the bum deal though it's a shame well, 
you know, and maybe he feels the same way as we do about that. Mm. But he doesn't let it colour his conduct. That's right. He loves being the Doctor, you know, whether it's playing the he's, Doctor on TV or whatever he, else. He loves. He's, he's, he's very similar to Colin Baker in that respect. And it's yeah. interesting because the Twelfth Doctor was a very similar character to the Sixth Doctor. And the two mm. actors are, are very similar to the same. They both kind of got a bit of a bum deal, arguably, depending on mm. what side of the argument you fall down on. Um, and yet they still are just the best possible ambassadors you could have for the show. They are. They're You're right. Loyal to it right the way through, both of them. Fingers crossed that, that that maybe in the next one, you know, in the next celebration of Doctor Who, they'll bring Peter back as the Doctor. I'd love to see him again as the Doctor. I really would. You never yeah. know. We did say that about Eccleston. Everybody said that about Eccleston. You're assuming that everybody listens to the audios where we don't. Um, so that doesn't have an impact on what's going to be visual. Secondly, the public don't listen to the audio, so they'd like to see, as Simon said a few weeks ago, they would like to see some of the old doctors back. Second, and, and the biggest problem you've got now, and this is what I fear for for 2023, which is coming along very quickly, mm-hmm. is that you now have a new era of doctors we've never seen before and have never contributed to the series. And well, there's about a million of them now, isn't there? Exactly. That so that whole thing there is 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 that's what's ruined the whole thing. You don't have the, the magic twelve anymore because you know you've got six thousand million billion zillion to do that. So yeah, what we're gonna you know, call that's that's what's that's what's okay. gonna take the momentum away. Um, from any future thing. And that's what's going to alienate the public even more because they won't recognise any of these well, characters. Think, well, I think also, JT, what, what you're saying is mm-hmm. quite correct. And, and and because we saw so many Doctors in that last series, we saw so many Doctors, it just felt like everybody was actually the Doctor. So it's just yeah. diluted any... Well, any, I, w- I, was, um, I myself was uh, Incarnation 604. Let, let's just stop for a second and think about it. If you were actually to bring back Paul McGann, Eccleston... Yes. Tenant, yes. Matt Smith, Capaldi. Yes. Are we yes. seriously saying that the public wouldn't go, yeah, I'll have a bit of that? They would That's watch, yeah. they would tune in, and that would be a huge thing. But they're not going to watch people that they've never heard of. They're certainly not going to watch no. some, something where the, where it's going uh, just now. You're not going to get a, a good story with the current writing force. Yes, I agree. What's going agree. On, on, on the TV? Farting new doctors into existence and oh, yeah, yeah. growing, growing a bond between. You know, because this is why we love like our doctors. This is why that. we love our doctors. Why we bond with them. Why we use that expression? That's my doctor because you live with them. The bond grows between the audience and the cast. You attach, and you and they they take on this cultural significance, not just with the show itself, but the broader popular culture. At the moment, Doctor Who is a show that has no on television has no leading star. And that is why somebody like Peter Capaldi, you know, Peter Capaldi's easily romped home with our companion of the year, David Tennant, over on audio and in books. Everything expanded media has been about David Tennant. Because they they need something to lead the show and to lead the brand. We've also had this this year, you know, this Dalek series. I, I know I'm the only person who's probably watched all of this. I've got the final one left to see. But this has been generally pushed and promoted in a way that I don't think, and I, I'm not sure whether it's BBC Studios that promoted this, because obviously it's not attached to a channel other than the YouTube channel, but there's been more publicity for this. There's been a more effective push for it than the TV show in, in a couple of years. And I think that, if anything, the, the Emperor Dalek has sort of been the leading man <laughs> visually over the last two or three months. I, I don't think this show was anywhere near as bad as some do. Now, I'll talk about that another time. But yeah, I have noticed that it has made an impact. And personally, I, what I would do with this, the whole 50-minute thing together, chop that into two 25-minute chunks, and I would pop that on. If the animation was a little better, 
then I would pop that on over the Christmas schedule. A bit of a showcase of Christmas. I think yep. the Daleks, the Daleks are still enjoyed as characters. They're still recognisable, kind of in their own right. And there's mileage. There is there is mileage there. And and Doctor Who itself is a brand that has no effective. Do you know what, Dan? I would disagree. We can talk about this fully when we have the ratings for the next episode. That's the actual TV show that you're talking about now, though. Absolutely. But what I'm saying is those ratings will indicate whether there is an audience for Doctor Who in 2020 to 21. Yeah. Because I don't think there is. I think yeah, it's gone. There's definitely affection and audience for the Daleks. And there's creativity surrounding the Daleks constantly. Is there a significance to the colour of the Daleks? Or is it just that it can be any colour? Well, there was, Jake, to, uh, 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 Ian. There was, there was the significance in that there was the Black Dalek. Uh, that right. They literally used to refer to as the Black Dalek. <laughs> That's what he was called because he was black. So, That's yeah, there supreme. was a significance. But... but um, was there was the black Dalek? Was there something special about it? Was he evil? Yeah, it was the supreme Dalek. Depends which oh, era yeah. you're watching in, isn't it? Depends which era. He, he, as JT says, he was the supreme Dalek. So sometimes they call him the black Dalek. Sometimes he'd be the supreme Dalek. Mm -hmm. This goes to just way back to, to Billy Hartnell days. This is the Dalek invasion of Earth, sixty four. But it just goes to prove, right, that the fans. You know what? These filmmakers and team make they should be listening to the fans because the fans have got some really awesome ideas, and it's such mm -hmm. a shame that they don't listen. The Daleks I love are the genesis of the Daleks. Daleks, yeah, code, it's just they could come and get you very quickly. I'd, you know, if I was in charge of Doctor Who and, and I had the Daleks, I'd like to change them slightly to make them look more menacing. Yeah, honestly, they should be looking at the fan stuff now. They really should. They've run out of ideas, these, the fans these... have still got ideas. Well, uh, hopefully I'll be showrunner when it comes back. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <I'll be with> <laughs> Guys, do you know about that one that we've just seen? Um, am I right in saying that they're not the Daleks, but as part of the story, they are a human version of a Dalek? JT, oh. I don't care. No, I don't <laughs> either, but... You're confusing with somebody that gives a damn. I was trying as part of this Christmas show to give them a benefit of the doubt. The Daleks were always supposed to be tanks in a sense, weren't they? Yeah. They housed the mutant, the last of their yeah. race. You're gonna, yeah. you're gonna love this, everybody. Out of out of our panel here on Type Forty, this time we have this comment here. I would support anyone on this panel as showrunner over Chris <laughs> Chibnall. Tell the BBC. <laughs> and from the, I think you could probably call him legendary Doctor Who artist, mm -hmm. Alistair Pearson. That is the cover to the Celestial Toy Rooms 2021 oh. yearbook. That should be a page in a 2022 calendar, shouldn't it? Yes, it should. It's really yeah. cool. You can get this as co a colour or as a black and white print, Simon. Have you got the colour version to look at? I'd love to see it in colour. I haven't, but it will be because Alistair's in the Type 40 Facebook group. So if we ask him nicely, Alistair, share Beautiful. some more images of this, please. But yes, there's a picture, there's a picture of him holding the canvas, I think it is. So Fantastic. yeah, I, I thought that you was... Know, well, I love that. We see an awful lot of CGI art and I understand that has its place, but it's great mm -hmm. to see the likes of Alistair that's still there with a paintbrush and his inks and doing that properly. That was beautiful. Absolutely it's beautiful. It's nice to see the hat. It's nice to see that stovepipe handbag. <laughs> Like it's a shame it. that people at the BBC don't listen to the fans. I mean, the amount of passion that's coming out just from us, us here. I hope, I hope that they they come to their senses and get rid of this error and Doctor Who comes back on track. A track, but yeah. you know, it will, it will eventually. I guarantee it will. It'll just take a while. Mm. There's a seam of love still out there to be tapped in, and there's a mind full hey. of talent. Huge amount of talent from creative people. There's lots and lots of talent <laughs> out there. Lots and lots of it. 
loving what's coming out of the Doctor Appreciation Society at the moment. They've had a little little time away, but I yeah, you know, I'm really liking how mm. fan led it is though. I think that's I think that's quite important to, mm. to their survival going forward. I think it's nice that Doctor Who still has an official appreciation society. Mm. Because there are lots lots and lots of them, they became corporate, didn't they? And the Doctor mm. Who's Doctor Who hasn't somehow. I'm what There's an episode of that for debating that for the few new year, I can tell you. there's lots and lots of debates to come in type 40 but yeah that is the last type 40 live of this run we will be back it'd be silly to to stop with it so we will be back next year traveling in both time and space where will we end up in the meantime there's lots more coming up type 40 itself type 40 is available on apple Podcasts, (laughs) spotify stitcher google play iHeartRadio. All those places oh, and it's now on Pandora too. As ever, you can get in touch th- with us through our social medias, Instagram and Twitter at Type Forty Doctor Who. Even email us Type Forty Doctor Who at gmail.com. And yeah, if you're feeling really brave, fancy some real time, extra dimensional chit chat, you can compare Christmas jumpers or uh, share <laughs> pictures of any seasonal Who swag that comes your way this season. Step into the... There's not much available, Dan. I have to say, as a merchandise freak, there's not much available that's going to be in anybody's merchandise swag this Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) You can hit eBay. Gifting from eBay. Good response. Good response there, everybody. In the Type 40 Facebook group, and you you can find me. I'm scattered throughout all of space and time, but mostly on Twitter and Instagram as the Spacebook, where I talk not just about Doctor Who, but about... Everything else in popular culture, whatever catches my imagination, or both. Simon, over the Christmas period, where can people find you hanging out on social media? Oh well, you probably won't find me hanging out on social media at all. I should be enjoying Christmas, thank you very much. But if you want to come and say hello, if you want to come and say hello, come on to the Facebook. Page the Hoonatics, uh, go on to Facebook, find the Hoonatics. You'll find me there, but I will not be there because I should be enjoying Christmas. Turkey time. That's what Sarah, it is. Sarah, how, how about you? What, what are your present contact details? Uh, you can find me on Paula. I'm quite enjoying being on there. Good stuff. So I just wanted to say thank you, everybody, for joining in. And yeah, there'll be more conversations coming up next year, no doubt. Merry Christmas. Yes. Don't forget to um, get bring it and tune in next year. It'll be a stale mince pie. <laughs> uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all of you from all of us. We're going to wave bye-bye now. But Merry yeah, Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's been a great, great show. And, uh, yeah, we always have the time. If you have the space here on Type 40, have a fantastic <laughs> Christmas and a happy new year. A Doctor Who podcast is a Spacebook production for the Fandom Podcast Network with music by Problem Being.